Welcome to Redeemer Fighting Words. Just jumping in there. I feel like I have... Well, I don't feel this way. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. Mm. I haven't been putting out as many episodes yes. recently. And uh, I don't know. There was like a national pandemic and a you know, turmoil and a mm. nat- natural disaster. And it was a little busy. But yeah. Glad to be back into it. I'm joined today by Jack Korzanowski. Mm. I was thinking about... That name on the way up here, is that Polish? It is Polish. It's pretty easy to guess, right? If it ends in a ski, is there any other kind of nationality whose names end that, end that way? Or is that guaranteed? Like, Can I go on a little bit of an interesting tangent right here? Well, we'll see if it's interesting, but go on your tangent. So to answer your first question, do any other nationalities end with ski? At least Russian does. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a Ruski, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Normally, however, uh, Russia and, or the Russian language uses the Cyrillic alphabet, whereas Polish uses, you know, the same one that English does. So Russian has it has a different set of letters. And so when they come over on the boat and they write their name down, often with Russians, they will write it down as it sounds. So like Romanovsky, for example... Would, well, it usually ends with like a Y, right? And, wait, uh, yeah, normally ends with a Y, and it would be O V S K Y. Okay. If it's if the guy's Polish, even with the same sounding last name Romanovsky, that would be written at the end with O W S K I. Nowski. Uh, yeah, that's why it becomes Owski, ah. even though in the original language it was pronounced Ovski. So because my, their W sounds like a V. Yep. Okay. That's correct. Okay, so Ovsky, yeah. so Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky. versus Korzanowski. That's yes. the distinction is the W and the yes. V. Like, again, in Polish. Boy, this yeah. was an interesting tangent. Mm-hmm. That's it for the episode today, folks. <laughs> Trying to keep them short and sweet. We know yeah. you're busy. I don't think that's a 100% guarantee that that's how you can tell, but it's pretty. It's pr- a pretty good. Okay, well, uh, as long as I can from. box people in and know where they're from, yep. that's, what I, that's my primary objective in life. Yeah, and you can also tell, I mean, I've looked into the... Polish language and the Russian language, and I can normally tell just from the beginning of it too. It's there's enough distinguishments uh, to make it fairly easy as well. Like the Korzanowski, like the Korzan part at the beginning, or uh, there was a basketball player for the Timberwolves about 20 years ago, and people would pronounce his last name Serbiak, but it started S Z C Z. So it started with four consonants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Polish, it would be pronounced Serbiak. Uh, that's the function of all those vowels together. Yeah, so, the like this S. If you ever see in a Polish name S Z, because how the heck do you pronounce that? They just pronounce that like in English we would pronounce S H. Okay. And then same thing with C Z is uh, like ch in right. chalk C-H, or okay. chop. Uh, so if you see S Z C Z, you literally just stack them on top of each other, where it's Cherbiak. It's wow. kind of a weird sound. Yeah. And then in my name, you have another. Uh, a combination of letters R Z, which for some reason makes the sound like envision or measure instead of R and Z, oddly enough. Um, so my last name in Polish it would not be pronounced Korzanowski, it would be pronounced Karzanowski. That measure oh. in the middle. There's no That R. sounds cool, dude. Why don't you tell people that's your Karzanow- name? Oh, well, there's an even cooler tidbit. My great granddad, there was an extra letter in my name, and between the N and the O, there used to be an extra I. 
for reasons I won't get into. Uh, but he decided to, you know what, Korzyniowski is a little bit too hard to pronounce. I'm going to make this easier for everybody now that we're in America. What do you guys think? Well, you change it from Korzyniowski to Korzyniowski. It's not really a big difference. Ah, good enough. And then he just left it that thing. Yeah. So. But you could do, you could tell people your whatever you want is your name. Yeah. Say it again the, the actual way. Korzyniowski. Ah, dude, that's what you should say. Yep. I, oh, I, I love it, too. I love my last name. I, love yeah. my, I like my first name, too. People always ask me if, oh, Jack, is that a nickname for John? Or is it short for Jackson? I'm like, nope, it's just, just Jack. Just straight up Jack. I'm going to say that for everybody listening to the podcast. I get this question two or three times a year. And it's not so much annoying, but it's like... You say you like your first name. Oh, yeah. Why? Uh, it's unique enough where I feel special. And it's unique enough in your demographic. Yeah. Yes. As opposed to. Well, I mean, it's not a rare name. Like, there's certainly more Jackson Donovans. You know, like, think throughout. Ah, but I guess when I say you're, I mean, you don't get a lot of young people yeah, named Jack. Yeah, not a lot. Of people. It's like an older name. And then, um, even when there are, I think they're nor. It's normally a nickname. Yeah. Um. So it's like, oh, that's like, you know, it's a unique little tidbit. It's not enough to make me feel weird, but it's enough to. No, I like it. Yeah, that's good. I used to hate my name when I was a kid. I think I remember you talking. Yeah, because it distinguished me, and I didn't want. I was already an outcast, and I didn't oh. want to be distinguished. Oh. I wanted to be normal. So I thought, what is the most normal American name? Mm-hmm. And I came up with Michael. Yep. And so that's what I would tell people my name was. Occasionally, like if I met people I didn't know running around different places, I would say, my name is Michael. Dang. You know, and it was like, don't bother me. Now I love it. Now my name's great. Oh, yeah. Donovan Santa Maria. Like, that is a, that's a bold name. Although I meet people, you know, like, uh, hi, you know, introduce someone and they go, hello, Jim Burr or something, you know, Mm -hmm. Mike Pence. And it's so short, you know, just like, yeah, I agree. And I just say, Donovan. Mm. I got to go with the one. It's just too much. I can't retort to it. A Mike Pence with a Donovan Santa Maria. It's just exhausting. I think you could. I think you could. You know what? You should own that. Santa Maria. What You should get your middle name. What's your middle name in there? I don't have one. Oh, you don't? Because no. you can just say, I'm, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm John Smith. You're, I'm Donovan Santa Maria. And it's, you yes. know, it's got some, it's got some ring towards it. Say, oh, I'm Mike, I'm Bob Smith. Who are you? I'm Jack Bob Karzin- Smith. Jack Karzinovsky. Karzinovsky. And, yeah. I love that. It's good. Well, Karzinovsky, Karzinovsky, I'm Karzinovsky. glad to have you here. Oh. And uh, we'll have a strong direction other than hanging out ah. and talking. But let me, let me, uh, oh, look at that. I'm getting a call. Oh, geez. I can't get a call during the podcast. This is terrible, but I actually have to take this call. Guys, we're going, Hold to, on. The, going to the phones. We're going to pause. All right. Phone call over. Mm. Yes. Hey, sometimes you got to take those. So I don't know where we were. Oh, okay. Transitioning to topics here. Well, a little introduction. Jack... I forget how you say your name. Jack Korzanowski here. He's a, a member in Cedar Falls, mm-hmm. under Cedar Falls campus, and uh, been here how long? It would be January 2017, so three and a half years? Yes. Man, it's been that long, eh? Yeah. You just said A. Mm-hmm. It's been that long, eh? That's mm-hmm. kind of Canadian. I don't think I got it when I was up in Minnesota. Yeah. Which is where I'm from, which I, I, I guess I'm jumping ahead now. Yeah, well, I was going to ask a little bit about, so you're, you've are you been here three and a half years, and... Mm-hmm. Um, you work at uh, John Deere. At Deere's? Oh, sure. Huh? Yeah, at Deere. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. So you're, but you're from Minnesota? I grew up in Minnesota. I was born in Florida. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Why would you leave Florida? Ask me. Well, well, yeah, I always wonder, like, why did my parents, well, thank God that my parents, you know, moved up from the 
great frozen tundra of Florida moved up to the par- sunny paradise that is Minnesota when I was a wee age of two years old. Uh, I always wonder why did people stop in places like Minnesota? Like, yeah, like now I get it. Yeah, we, we have heat and things. Yeah, or even no, way northern or Eskimos. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I don't know if you can call them Eskimos. I'm not sure if that's appropriate. I think that's kind of like uh, not allowed anymore. Inuit. Yeah. I think that's the PC term. Yeah. That's the technical tribal. Is Eskimos really considered derogatory? You never know, man. Yeah, I guess that's. Yeah. No, no, I don't know if it's, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's derogatory like it's an insult, but it's like not not PC. It's like, oh. it's like if you're calling a, a Native American an Indian, it's not an, an insult, but it's just technically not right. So it, it's not what you say. I was watching a, uh, have you ever heard of the YouTube channel called CPG Gray? No. No. Uh, I don't really know how to describe it. He talks about a lot of um, cool topics, uh, science related, but not always. This is one of them that wasn't. Well, one of them, uh, I think this is even well before the the coronavirus uh, broke out. He discussed how plagues worked. And did you ever notice how in your history books, you never hear about a once like Columbus and all the European settlers came to America and then, you know, they would send people back. Sure. We, you always hear about all the sickness that came over the boat okay. to the America. You never hear about it going the other direction. Have you ever wondered why? And well, he, I have. Uh, so tell me if I'm wrong. But mm-hmm. from what I understand, it didn't really go the other direction because we were exposed to uh, our agricultural society exposed us to animals that transmit viruses and so we had a long history of exposure Mm -hmm. and building building up immunity through agriculture um where the natives didn't because they were more still kind of nomadic so that's my understanding of it that according to this video that is almost exactly what he said the only differences are that one it's not that we had the immunity it's that we had viruses. Well, we had the over. viruses. They because right. you're right. They didn't really um, domestic domesticize animals, and that's where domesticate plagues, domestic. Yes, there you go. Thank you. I like domesticize though. All right, it's a new term. Um, because they didn't domesticize animals, <laughs> they just didn't have viruses to give us. Right. It's not that if they did, that when they came over, that we would have been necessarily more impervious to them. Well, maybe not because it probably would have been different. Yeah. It probably would have been different. Exactly. Yeah. And and they didn't have cities. And for us, we did have cities, which just makes plagues even right. m- much more pronounced. So. With few exceptions. There were a couple southern, like uh, southern America, southern America, southern modern day United States. Mm. Um, There's some, uh, some tribes that had settled and be- started to become agricultural. Oh, really? Like yeah. In the south? In the, in the south, right? Like, yes. So Georgia, Alabama? Uh, no, no, no. Like southwest. Oh. Southwest. So like in the Arizona desert. Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so Minnesota, blah, blah, blah. No. Let's let's go to the meat of the topics. One of the things we were discussing before even the, the uh, podcast started was this idea of masks and submission to government authorities and all that. So yeah. um, people may be curious where I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you where I am. And I could be wrong. Um, I think that it's funny. I sat with a different Redeemer member the other day, and I said, mm-hmm. I think that the response from the authorities yep. has been disproportionate. Okay. Do you agree? And he said yes, but he meant the other way. Oh. Oh, so it's interesting. So here I am. So he may be right. I may be right. I don't know, man. All I can do is do the best I can with what I see. It seems to me mm-hmm. that um, the 
response from authorities, you know, federal, state, uh, health authorities, all that stuff, yeah. has been an overreach, an unprecedented mm. overreach that's disproportionate given um, the rate of death, as far as we can tell. Do you mean overreach in the sense of what they are constitutionally and legally allowed to do? Or do you just mean in Well, maybe. It may be. But even just in terms of what would be prudent. Ah, so you're just talking about practical. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm not saying they're <clears throat> being tyrants and need to be sued. Yeah, I think they may be. There may be. It's probably a mix of just different interpretation, mm-hmm. uh, politicization, uh, self-interest, all kinds of stuff. If, uh, this yep. Foolishness, chaos. There's all kinds of stuff in the mix. Oh yeah. Sum it all up. I think now does not to say 190,000 dead in the U.S. is not a big deal. It just to me we can't go with raw numbers. We have to go with proportions. To me, the 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 question is, mm. what death and infection rate warrants what response? The question has not been asked, yeah. much less answered. That's irresponsible. It's I, irresponsible. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I am. That being said, when I go into Target, if they want me to wear a mask, that's yep. their business. I'll wear a mask, mm-hmm. and if I don't want to, then I won't go to Target. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So I'm walking. I'm. I've got this perception of re, of what I perceive to be the situation, and, but then I've got the reality that I've got to live in this society, yep. and the things that they're asking people to do, mm-hmm. and deal with those tensions. But then there's another complication, which is I also then am in a position where m- me and the other elders at Redeemer need to make those decisions for our organization. Yep, and that's that's uh, that's tough. Yeah, it is. So. Um, do do we submit to the authorities? Now that's interesting because you brought up the the like Romans thirteen passage, right? Like mm-hmm. honor the emperor, you know, submit to authorities. They're sent by God to punish evil and reward good. Like, yeah, I think that's true. Now here's I read something really interesting uh, by Doug Wilson, mm-hmm. which I think I, it makes sense. I've always just been kind of quick to go to that text. Like, yeah, man, submit to the authorities. Like, unless they're telling you, you know, to worship a false god, right? Everyone has a you know, you can't preach the gospel or you can't worship God. Like, no, we will preach the gospel. We will worship God. Like, mm-hmm. um, But uh, Doug Wilson brings up a different angle on that, which is, yeah, we submit to the authorities. But guess what? Our authorities aren't emperors. They are representatives that we have hired. We are their authorities. And when they're out of line, they need to be rebuked. They need to be removed from office. And they can be resisted. Like, they're not the emperor. We're their boss. Mm. Governor Reynolds works for us. We, well, I don't vote, but I do pay taxes. Well, I don't pay taxes either. She works for you. <laughs> so you. So she needs to submit to back you. Back up there. Back up. You don't pay taxes? Well, just because my tax, once I have all my deductions, I mean, I pay like sales tax, but I, I usually at the end of the year, I don't have any federal income tax liability. I have a housing oh. deduction for being a pastor and then personal exemption and all the kids and all that. Eventually, I end, I end up having no tax liability. Okay, I got you now. That's what I mean. I thought you were just saying that you were basically just running from the feds. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, I pay some state taxes. Okay. I usually end up owing some there. But anyway, the point is, who's the authority here? Mm. She's a temporary authority. Has been placed, we've said, okay, we mm-hmm. give you permission and authority to have this. Okay, and when you're out of line... We need to call you. It is not. She's. It is not as simple as just saying she's the emperor. So that to me is a layer of complication. That like, 
okay, what does that mean? How do you, well, it doesn't mean we'd go and drag her out of her house and, you know, out of office and like burn her, but it means um, that she's not just simply to be obeyed. She can be challenged, her policies, and I, I'm, not a big, I'm not critiquing her necessarily, I'm just using her as an example. Yeah. Any political figure in this form of government is actually under our authority. So there's that. I, I see your point there, but I think that when we, uh, in, in the United States, when the way it works is we generally elect our leading authorities, once we put them there, we're, we're telling them, you are our authority now. Right. Now, but now, of, of course, when it Can comes, they do whatever they want? When it comes, no, that's what the Constitution and all the other uh, right. uh, laws are about. So who would hold them to that? Uh, you. Yeah. Well, and, and the other checks and balances within the government that would, I mean, it, it's awkward, right? When you have to have, I mean, it ultimately comes down to how do we get the, the government to be self-limiting? And that's where the three branches of government come in. And, but once they're all in cahoots with each other, that's when trouble starts. And- but there's another angle, and it isn't just waiting and trusting the systems. It's called social activism. Like, this is what we see. Um, so, okay, let's, let's talk uh, – as a corollary, you know, all the protests and stuff that are out there. Yeah. People are going to have different views on how they perceive the extent of police brutality and racial injustice in our system. However, I think it's inarguable that they have the right, people have the right to not just sit and wait till, well, I guess we'll vote the next one in and just mm-hmm. let, but to get out there in the streets, make their voice heard, and use their collective power to mm-hmm. influence decision and policy. So that's another angle. You don't just have to sit and wait. Like you can mm-hmm. take action, and and when your voice is heard, people res- respond. Now, that's what we're seeing. I mean, the reason uh, Joe Biden is talking differently than he did four weeks, four years ago, mm-hmm. is because he is hearing the people. Now, is he genuine? Is he I don't, is he going to be effective? I don't know. But he is listening. When when masses of people rise up and say something, those people, because they're acting out of a sense of self-preservation, often respond. Are you talking about the politicians? Politicians, okay. yes. So um, if millions of people rose up and said, we think this has been a government overreach and we won't stand for it and we're going to have our own protest about this, it wouldn't be without effect. Now, am I going to be mm. the one that's going to initiate and lead that? Like, I don't know. But, yeah, it's not as simple as just saying obey the emperor. Because what if the emperor is unjust or incompetent? Like, or they're not, but they're not emperors is the point. Well, remember, didn't uh, Paul write that when – did he write that when Nero was in power? Right, but he wasn't sa- – so, yes. Then that's what I'm saying, though. So he, that, wrote we're that, a- he wrote that that clause, or he wrote that passage when right. the emperor who was so oppressive – it was the guy who killed right. Paul. He was right. in power. So, so I mean, that, that's so, a consideration. That's- they, I, I know, but the consideration is, number one, um, Paul is even going to have a limit on that because he's going to preach the gospel no matter what. So he the, the emperor doesn't yes. want Jesus being preached. So there's one exception, one kind of – I don't think it's. I think that that I don't think it's like. Oh, always, it's not that we ought to always obey blindly our authorities, except for these exceptions. I don't think that's what it's saying. I think what it's saying, if you take it in context uh, with how the Jeremiah and I think Daniel, and I, I brought this up earlier, how they instruct the exiles in Babylon to act. It's 
this is not your nation. You are not these people. Your job is to kind of, I won't say it's kind of, you're going to be here, settle down, but you are, you are God's people in a godless land. They have, well, and he instructs them to seek the benefit of the city. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, yeah, exactly. So I think that's what it's saying when it says submit to the powers and authorities, not because they're they're flawless and they're perfect and God, you know, they love God um, and oh, never mind all this other evil stuff they do. I think it's it the context that ought to be read in is you, us as the church. You know, this is a effectively a this is now a foreign world to us. We are not of this world. Right. We're aliens. Right. We're foreigners. Right. But the world that we're in has its own government, has its own authorities. And so long as we're within its borders, we have yes. to recognize that they will have jurisdiction over us. Right. And our job is not to rise up in rebellion and say no. kill well, all the infidels. Well that's a straw man. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that system of authority yep. includes written in the rules that you have a voice and that you do Mm -hmm. have the right and responsibility to influence um, policy. Yeah. Without, but that doesn't mean my hope is here. So take a family example or a church Mm -hmm. example, like Mm -hmm. any um, uh, structure, societal structure is fallen and it will never be perfect and it's not my hope. That being said, we have a responsibility to do our best to enact justice within those systems. Mm-hmm. Do that at the family level, at the church level, and I would say at the societal level yeah. as well. So we have that angle. So yeah, it's exactly. So what does that look like? You know, um, what doesn't look like? Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not act, uh, uh, encourage violent uprising. Yeah, I would. Say, but I would encourage yeah. if you have a conviction and you think that your leaders are being unjust or incompetent yeah and by any means necessary through voting through calling through marching through whatever yeah then go and they're not the emperors man and well, they need to be held accountable i would say even if they were the emperors you can still go ahead and do that submit I, there's well a you di- could yeah there's a you difference confront but, yeah there's a difference i think between you know what what paul i, I think when you take paul's passages into the context of, of today's world or even just uh, like America in general. I think it's saying, look, you know, if you have the right to vote and if you have the right to talk and critique your representatives, by all means, do it. If you see injustice being carried out, like that's what we're, we're here to stop that stuff. We're here to spread the gospel and God's word. And that, you know, that's where most of the abolitionists did so because they were, you know, they came out of a biblical perspective. So we, we one could argue that the Bible played a, a key role in getting slavery abolished in the United States. But of course, were they submitting to the authorities? Were they going down with, you know, I, I don't want to bring the, were, were they going down and stealing slaves away from uh, from plantations and, and trying to like burn down the plantation so that they couldn't hold slaves anymore? They weren't doing that either. They were fighting for the abolition of slavery, one, at the societal level, but they were doing so as, as God-fearing Christians as well, as people who were still loving the very people who, against whom they were arguing such as the slave owners and, you know, there could have been a violent uprising. In some cases there were, but. So here's, since Doug Wilson argues that, uh, and he gets called a racist for this. He's not a racist no. if you really read him, but he, he, because he generally is against violent uprising and he would call the, even the civil war, mm-hmm. like a, a violent uprising. Like he, he argues that as, as was seen in the majority of the world mm-hmm. that 
the way that uh, slavery was abolished was not through civil wars. Like the, that happened in the U.S., but then in the majority of of the world where where slavery has been abolished, it has happened through a process really of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, I think that's how Britain. Uh, yeah. it, it was a, it was a very quiet affair almost, and that, I think it happened in the eight early eighteen hundreds. So he makes that argument. So and then because of that, people say, "Oh, you shouldn't. You you were against the Civil War. You were a, they're just misreading him in, intentionally." But. Um, well, it was the most. It had the highest casualties of any American war. It was an absolutely devastating to the South. Oh my gosh! I started. I didn't finish it, but I started watching uh, the Free State of. What is it? It has Matthew McConaughey. In yeah, it. I know. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's it got a couple like, opening scenes with like uh, battle scenes and even like um, medical, like where the people get taken for medical care. Ooh. <laughs> He's got legs blown off, and yeah, you know, yeah. and it's brutal. It's the eighteen hundreds. What? It, they don't have anesthesia. Nope. It's just they people under- screaming, and they don't understand the concept of getting an, an infection. Oh, it's out of control, dude. Fun, can I? Uh, funny story. Uh, well, I guess you should stop introducing your stories with interesting and funny. Like we'll determine that. Okay, you don't have the right to. All right, the audience is the is the the judge of whether it's interesting or funny. But hold on, just say story. Isn't me saying it's funny or just saying couldn't that be interpreted? And it's the way that I mean it is. It's I funny think, to you. Yeah, I think this is a funny story. Or Fair I think, enough. I I see. I, think, I so, see the point. All right, let, let's let's you know, let's let's compromise here. Here's a story that I think is interesting. <laughs> is uh, I think it was Garfield, the the president, not the not cat, the cat, not the cat. Um, <laughs> he was shot. Uh, by I think it was an anarchist or uh, another political um, opponent, and he got taken to hospital or maybe just laid down. Taken to hospital? That sounds very British. I said taken to the, the hospital. Oh, did you? I, I thought I did. I think you said taken to hospital. Oh man, there's a whole Jim Gaffigan bit about this topic. Really? That I might reference Jim Gaffigan multiple times in this podcast. Right. One, he's like my favorite. Um, comedian interesting i i like him because he can make you like I mean, he has really absolutely hilarious material about just the most mundane right. things and so he can go on for five minutes about cake yeah and it's hilarious or his one of his more famous bits hot pockets yeah or camping yeah and it's just you know it's not it's it's clean but it's just absolutely hilarious and i'm like that's when you're given such simple tools as that and you can do such great things with it that's what to me makes that skill Yes, I think anybody can take a top. Very many people can take a topic that's controversial or it has a lot of shock humor value. Sure, yeah, it, yeah. You know, like the whole. It's easier. Yeah, low hanging fruit. Right, exactly. But if somebody, but hey, hey, man, here's a bottle cap. Yeah, go five minutes, <laughs> five minute bit on bottle caps. Go, Jimmy Gaffigan can make can make funny jokes about it. That's great. Um, uh, but back to Garfield, he was shot and he survived. But when the doctors were poking the the wound and everything, trying to figure out what was going on, they inf- he got an infection from that and he died. Wow! From the infection, not from the bullet. So that's the sort of stuff that they were. And this was in the 1880s or 90s. I remember. Can't remember if he was the one right at the turn of the century or in the or, or in the 80s. But uh, oh, another story that I think is interesting. Yes, is uh, you know in the United States. We had a string of presidential assassinations, right? Oh, and it's been a while since I've looked into it, but there's like this speculation that there was some sort of like American Indian curse put on the presidency. Mm. And I think it was if you start at Jackson, who had, you know, the Trail of Tears and everything, it was one of the presidents that uh, uh, just carried out atrocities against American Indians. 
And so, and then American every, Indians or Native Americans. Uh, remember the story. Remember the CPG Gray guy I talked to you about. How he's talking about how plagues spread. He also did a, a video on what is the preferred term for yeah. that people group. And he, well, it's kind of up to them, isn't it? Well, no, that's a, that's a thing. He found out. That oh, he I, asked them. Yeah, I think it was. He found out that it was either generally or very, or, or very generally that they prefer American Indian. So I just say, all right, I'll start using that, and that's what I that's yeah. what I've been using. Um, which is, it's kind of awkward because, you know, I work with a lot of, at work, you know, there's a lot of people with Indian, Indian actual Indians. heritage and yeah. they are also American. So it's like, what do I call them? You know, like Indian Americans. Yeah. Reverse yeah. it. Oh yeah. That would be true. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good point. We don't call. Yeah. So curses. Yeah. So ever since this first president, every, and if you start at when, I think it was the, when the first president in this chain of curses was died or assassinated. 20 years from that date, whoever was president at that time was also uh, assassinated or died in office. Huh. And it carried on for like like six or eight like cycles. So let's nice. look at this through a Christian grid. Yep. Like, oh, it's going to be hard to prove whether or not, you know, there was a, a American Indian curse. But well, is that even like theologically possible within a Christian worldview. Well, okay. I, I think it's an interesting story. I don't think there was an actual curse. I think it was just coincidence. No, no. I know you're not necessarily proposing it, but I'm just actually saying that, well, let's consider oh, that. No, like, yeah. Could that be? Mm -hmm. Like, could there be, is there a such thing as, number one, curses? Oh. Well, at that, we'd have to get into the argument or the discussion as well as... No, let's make it an argument. Well, I don't know if it would be an argument. That, that, I don't know. I'll make it an argument. All right, well... Um, I mean, like, what is, at that point, what is a what is a curse? What is a curse? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what a curse would be. Let's look it up. Um, don't start. Let me let me get. Go ahead. Don't start listing off curse words. This is a family friendly podcast. Well, it depends. I've had some um, curse definition. Get, before I read the Google definition, what? How would you define it? You know, in the way you were using it, a curse. That's a, I mean, man, how do you generalize the term curse? I would say there's some sort of automated energy, or I don't know what you'd even call it, some sort of automated, uh, um, uh, gosh, how, how, do you, how do you describe it? Let me give it a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. I, I'll go after you. Sure, it would be, it would be uh, invoking some kind of dark spiritual power upon someone mm. that's how i would it yeah so I, uh, somehow i am in able to communicate mm -hmm. with a supernatural power yeah and and for some reason convince it to do my bidding maybe we make a deal maybe who knows yep. and and my bidding mm -hmm. is harm on a person individual a, mm. a system, a... On your target. My target, whoever, yeah. 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 Actually target, like the store. Yeah. Ah, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I would agree. So, yeah, the supernatural part is, I think, a a um, mm. necessary aspect to that. I was thinking more of the routine part of it, because, you know, you like, I've always heard... whenever That's I why think, you said automated. Yeah. I was wondering when, why you said that. When I think of curses, I think of something like, you're, you're cursed to always do, like, have this happen to you. Oh, okay. It, it, it frequently, or every time you try to do something, like, that, yeah, it, yeah. Works, like, it sticks with you, like bad luck. You know, I'm cursed with bad luck, so it's not like a one-time thing. Uh, I don't think that's 
now that I think about it, I, I suppose that's not a necessity, but uh, the supernatural aspect and the harm. You don't curse someone and all of a sudden they get like <laughs> birthday cake right in front yeah, of you. Yeah, that's awesome. a blessing. Yeah, exactly. That's a prayer. It's like an anti. It's an anti blessing. Yeah, maybe. So then what's here's how here's how Google defined it: a solemn utterance. Oh, so they're they're talking about the actual utterance. Ah, right. Intended to invoke mm. a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. That's like yeah. li- literally my definition. Yeah, I think that's a good So within definition. a Christian worldview... Did you just read Google? <laughs> Google read me. Uh, As I was speaking, it like edited. Yes. It was like, oh, we had this wrong. <laughs> they were saying something silly like automated or something. Yeah. Um, is that possible within a Christian worldview? Call down... To invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. Oh, man, this is get, going into the Unseen Realms realm, mm. uh, which I do want to read, um, but I haven't gotten around to it yet, uh, or getting it, but I'll, I'm sure Michael can lend me a copy or something. Um, but that is a realm, pun definitely intended, that I don't have a lot of experience sure. in. Well, let me just go generally. Are there supernatural beings? Yes. Do they communicate with humanity? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, do they co- do they collaborate with humans? Yeah, I would. I, I'm inclined to say yes. Okay, then like it's not a far leap then to, you know, that me and some demon could collaborate yeah. and want to hurt Jack Korzenowski. Well, that's another question too. Can the like can the demons and the fallen angels actually hurt people? And I don't know. Well, okay, so uh, let's go two levels. Number one, Satan Mm -hmm. goes to God in Job 1. Yes. Oh, Job. And says, you know, what have you been doing? Consider my servant Job. Well, he only protects, he only praises you because you put a hedge around him and you've protected all that he has. Mm -hmm. Stretch out your hand against him and he will curse you to your face. And God says, all that he has is in your hand, only do not. Uh, you know, don't, touch his flesh, basically. Yeah, you don't know. touch him, yeah. Right? So Satan and, you know, maybe some of his minions then go and do something. So is, if the question is, can the supernatural beings do harm? Yeah. 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 The answer, they well, can kill people. They killed this family, yeah. Or at least they caused the events that killed this family. So effectively, yes. Yeah. Now, we know that ultimately, right, God did that because God, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. He's ultimately... Um, yep. The cause, mm-hmm. but penultimately, yeah, supernatural beings can harm people. This is they curse them, they invade them, they. Uh, uh-huh. Well, if you're going to use demonization, I got to interject. If you can use Job as an example, to as if you can use Job as support for that argument, this gets into the other topic that we have planned for today. Okay, because if if the answer to that, to- I'm not going to reveal the question yet. But if the question to that is no, the. If the answer to it, if the, the, I'm sorry. If the answer to the yet revealed question is no, then you can't use Job, right, as evidence for sure. for that. You know what what's I'm the question? Stop being cryptic. Oh come on, that's no fun. <laughs> you got to keep <laughs> it in suspense. Let's talk about the issue until the end of the episode, and then we'll, we'll reveal the question. Ah. It'll be a real postmodern approach to yes. conversation. Let's come up with the conclusion first, and then we'll then the discourse, and yes. then the introduction. Yeah. Yes. Um. Actually, maybe that would work. If you planned it well. Yes, it'd have to be like a speech, (laughs) yeah. Um, So wait, where where are we going now? What's the question? All right, the question, uh, we haven't even figured out the whole curse thing or the mass thing. We keep going on these tangents. It's like, Well, I don't think so. Let me put a, 
uh, I I don't know. I feel settled on the mask thing is that um, there's a general posture of submission toward authority in this system. Mm -hmm. We have a system of accountability through various means to call them on incompetence or corruption. And so... Then we started talking about like slavery and violent uprisings. That I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the question, okay, I mean, let's stop on the mask real quick. What I want to know, right, is mm-hmm. if they force you to wear a mask, uh, if the if the governments, whether it be state or federal, uh, mandate that you wear a mask everywhere except for maybe your home or even in your home. Well, you know? there's a mandate in Cedar Rapids and Cedar Falls right now. Is there? Yep. I didn't know that. Now it doesn't. Now here's the way it's worded. Both of them. Uh, in public spaces when social distancing is not possible. Oh. So so you don't have to wear a mask to go in your house. I mean, to go into uh, to go outside or go into your driveway or whatever. But like what's going to happen is public spaces means I usually I think the main application of that is going to be in places. So Target. Yeah. You know. Businesses. And, yeah. And Chick-fil-A, whatever. Like, yeah. and, and, and what are they going to do? What are they going to require? Right. So, for example, we had a mask mandate instituted in Cedar Rapids last week mm-hmm. and the mall where we do service previously had not been um, Mandate. mandating masks but now they are they have it's an injunction from the mayor yep. and so they have signs on the doors you know wear masks to come in here the reality is a lot of people still aren't and mm-hmm. the mall will determine to what extent they're going to enforce that or not you know um, well really they're even mandating the enforcement to the individual businesses eh well, interesting. Or yeah, I, you have the well. You have it's your private property, but so it depends on how serious you are about but, it. And well, how that's much, the thing. No, no. If it's a legal mandate, then it is a then it's the law of the in this case the city, and they're the ones who have to enforce it. And because I mean, think it'd be dumb if they were relying on somebody else to enforce their laws. Because you know, if I were to say, "Hey, Target, it is now illegal for your customers to come into your building yeah. without a mask on," and say, "Oh, well, okay." And if anybody doesn't wear one, you're responsible. It does for say that out. actually in the mandate. Well, then the target would be like, well, what do I care? Like, you know, why would they? You're do now it? law enforcement. Yeah, and it's like you say, all right, give me like pay me a policeman's salary for every person that I go out to do that. Then at that point, that's fresh. I, right. I, I'm not a big fan of mandates for reasons like that. Yeah, anything. it's going to get very tricky. So, and some people are more, you know, because even at the business owner uh, level, they're going to be more or less, um, you know, cautious or risky on this you know and one business will say yeah zero tolerance get out of here mm-hmm. and one business will look the other way and let right. you let you shop so anyway so i called the mall and said hey i'm sure you've heard of the mandate what are you going to do and, da, da, da. and basically they've asked us to wear masks in and out mm. and in our space mm-hmm. we're fine i said great by the way that's what's going to happen in cedar falls as well because cedar falls just enacted a mask mandate as well yeah I didn't and know so that. now I then have to interpret that and apply that. And so what we are going to do mm-hmm. in Cedar Falls is um, ask that you wear masks in and out. And I don't want to do that. When you say in and out, so if we're in the sanctuary, can we take them off? Or do you mean like while we're in the building at all? Or have you not made that decision yet? Here's what I'm saying. Hmm. Wear masks in and out. Literally apply the... So I know that when we're worshiping in... Um, Saying we have the space in here, we're spread out, and we're not. I see because the law says when not able to social distance. Yes. Okay. So wear the masks when not able to social distance. Gotcha. And a lot of times that's going to be when you're coming in and out. Yeah. Am I going to be chasing people down and micromanaging? No, mm-hmm. because that is not my job. Mm-hmm. So interpret that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Let's put it that way. Yeah. So I'm walking this line between because I feel there's a government overreach, mm-hmm. and I am want to comply when I want to have a general posture of compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, I may be tipped over to the scale of actually we're going to protest. Mm. I could tell you right now, I have zero inclination to to shut down church again. Right. Uh, but yeah, rather, that was that was bold. I was very upset with that. Yep, that was bold move. That, I don't think that they're allowed constitutionally allowed to do that. Yeah, well, it's tricky. Same thing. Like people are saying, and it's the same thing with protests, whether it be for Black Lives Matter or for anti-mask protests. And I don't, when the government can say, "Oh, you can only have this many people," one when they say you can't meet at church, when they say you can't, um, uh, you can't, you know, meet. And congregate to protest. I'm like, doesn't that violate at least one of the, the First Bill Amendment. of Rights? Yeah, which apply to all, as far as I'm aware, apply to all levels of government, whether it's federal down to the township. Well, it's tricky. So here's the thing. So again, Doug Wilson has been helpful for me on this. Like, they're not saying you're not allowed to gather for worship. So he uses the analogy. Let's say you're gathering for worship, and the authorities show up and say, "There's a fire. You got to get out." And you say, "You can't tell us not to worship God." They're not telling you not to worship God. They're saying there's an extenuating circumstance. Mm-hmm. That warrants you guys getting out of this building. I, the yeah, question yes. is, 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 is there a fair analogy? Is this a, an extenuating circumstance that warrants that reaction? Which I would say, no. I would even say in, in the extenuating circumstances, it's it's risky to give them that precedent because they will just keep chipping away at it if they okay. want to. So they, they'll turn that from you can't meet in your house of worship if there's a fire to you can't meet in your right. church wor- your house of worship yes. if the building is more than ten years old because it's oh it's you know structural damage is at risk right. to you can't and they'll eventually chip that away into you can't meet in the house of church unless it expressly supports now here's the, the government powers so, it. right so here's the to me here's the angle is it are they targeting churches it doesn't seem that way no however if you are Allow, if you're giving special privilege to one group, like I, if you're allowing thousands of people to march through the streets and protest, and you won't let a hundred people mm-hmm. gather for worship, I think that's that's an incompetence. Yeah. You are there's something motivating you there oh, yeah. that betrays your real uh, motive. Your, your, yeah. your real what like what your actual yeah uh, motives. Yeah, below. so treat us equally. Like if you're going to let them march in the streets, then let me march in my church. Right, and if you're not going to let me, then don't let them. That's what I'm. That's that's incompetent leadership that yeah. needs to be held to account. And oh, so yeah. I'm inching toward. Well, I'm not shutting down again. Mm-hmm. We're protesting. I'll just tell you that right now. And that's just me personally. And the rest of the PT can come with me or not. Like, I'm just telling you that was brutal, yeah. and uh, for our church. And uh, at this point, if they you know shut the churches down again, I'll lead a a, a protest, a Christ-centered protest in my front yard every week. If you would like to join me, so. Mm. I think I would at that, yeah, because I, I, I think we at this point we can we can see that this, unless there's some really unforeseen out of left field uh, development with his with the coronavirus, this is not going to turn into the global pandemic that everybody was fearing it could be. This is the March. worst pandemic in a hundred years. Oh yeah, and I never I don't know one person who's died. Like if the coronavirus were you're talking about if the coronavirus were to be like picked for the uh, virus baseball team, it'd be picked last or something. <laughs> it's the worst, yeah. Is that what you mean? <clears throat> no, I mean it's uh it's supposed to be the most severe. It is? Well, it's being compared to the 1918 f- uh flu. Hmm. This is the language that's being brought oh, up. No, no, Donovan, Donovan. No, it's nothing like the flu. Remember that. Well, it's <laughs> what's well, similar. They're both 
coronaviruses. Um, no, Donovan. So anyway, so that's where I'm at. I'm trying to navigate a lot of stuff. I'm also trying to navigate the fact that people in the church have different uh, yeah. information. Uh, maybe ex- maybe I'm wrong. Uh, they also have different uh, interpretation. They have different things they're listening to that influence their perspective. They have different risk tolerances. They have different people that they're interacting with. That mm. inf- So it's just a freaking complicated mess. And I don't, I just, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to upset anybody. That's not what I'm after. Mm-hmm. Then it freaking sucks. It freaking sucks. You're going to upset I'm going people. to. So now in that case, it's, you have to ask yourself a question. And I ask myself this question all the time. It happens at work. It happens in every aspect of life, which is, well, if I have to, if I'm going to suffer bad consequences on either side, which decision is best for me in other ways? Okay. You know what I mean? Like, let's say, like, um, if you have a, like, uh, if you have a car that's in need of repair, and I mean, like, a lot of money, and, uh, well, I can spend 5,000 bucks getting this car fixed, or I could maybe spend a a little bit more money, but maybe I can get some money from the car that is busted and then put that towards the money, plus... Add that plus money. I would sure. Say, you got to do a cost benefit analysis. Right. No, that's the thing, right? Where it's yeah. like either way, I'm paying. I'm shelling out a lot of money, so I can't let. I'm just not going to let money be a factor because it's not a deciding factor because it's even on either side. So what other factors are there? Well, if I get a new car, I'd have to go shopping. I'm not used to it. Maybe X, Y, and Z, and then say, oh, maybe it would make sense to repair. Sure. That, you know, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Is if you have to take, it sounds like you're at a point where you may have to take. Oh, I'm going to upset people. What what do I do? You have to take that. Uh, factor out of the decision making. Well, either way, someone's upset. And here's the thing: uh, um, there is you got to do cost benefit analysis at some level. But at the deepest level, hmm. um, Redeemer didn't hire a politician. You hired a prophet, a preacher. So my, I, while I do care for people and and I don't want to upset people, that's not my primary um, right decision. Module the yeah. main the primary one is what do you believe is true? Yeah, that's it. And therefore, what and therefore mm-hmm. out of that, and you can, yeah. It, it, there's some other layers of of complication there, but basically that's it. What do you believe is true? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I'm here called to do. Like, and what will drive our decisions and my decisions ultimately. So, so it's not putting the finger to the wind and saying, well, if we do this, we'll get 80% of the vote. Or if we do this, we'll get yeah. 70% of the vote. Like, that's slimy. Yeah. That's not good. No, it's not. But, I mean, there is the other aspect. So there's the aspect of ought Christians submit to the authorities who are saying, uh, you know, wear, wear a mask or else. Uh, we just talked a long time about that. There's about that one factor. And the other factor, and I don't intend on going into it because I think it's much simpler, too, is... Regardless of, uh, you know, whether we ought to be politi- or uh, dictate, whether a mask mandate is, is justified or not, is it the Christian thing to do as well to wear a mask for the sake of other people? Whether that is for their health, as some people would argue, or even if it's just for their comfort. If they, I, I've heard people, if they see people without a mask on, they'll get angry, they'll get upset, and, or, and they'll get, or sometimes they'll even get scared. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to incite that in other people just to make a point yeah let's talk about that because uh, there, there's been some facebook posts that i've seen that basically this is the christ-like thing to do wear a mask i agree with that oh i do okay so 
That's a strong stance. So to not wear a mask is sin. I don't think so. Well, then you could. Okay, so you got to back off a little bit here. Okay. You just said it's the Christ-like thing to do. You know what? Then maybe I think what it shows if you don't wear a mask. If you so, I'm not talking about if you're in your car or if you're in okay. your home or if you're in a room full of people who all don't care. I'm talking about when you go out in public and you know there are people around you, or particularly if you're going somewhere and you know there is somebody there who will care. If you don't put that mask on for them, is that the Christ thing to do? And I would say no. If you do a particular, if you forget, that's one. Wait, thing. Wait, you would say no? It's not the Christ-like thing to do, right? To wear, to put the mask on, or to not wear a mask? To not wear a mask for the when sake it, of making a point. Oh, if you're doing it for the sake of making a point, yeah. See, here's the here's yeah. I'm not prepared to say that is that is sin. I just got to stop short of there. Like we have to be mm. very careful to take to take extra yep. biblical things applications. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, this is Romans late Romans 14 where he talks about you know matters of conscience. Yeah. Like it's not you know. Let me just let me grab the Bible so I can show you this. Sure. Because I think what's usually the way this is interpreted is that. Um, I'm grabbing the Bible, assuming we can trust it. We'll do another episode on that. I think that. that's a safe... Oh, wait. What do you mean, safe? safe well, that, that, trust it? Uh, that, that we should read it literally and oh. actually apply what it says. And, ah. Um, but let wait, me show a, you this. Wait, from a... Hold on. From a Christian perspective, you're asking that question? Well, you were asking that question earlier. Wasn't that the question? Can we read the Bible? Okay. Can we read the Bible? Should we read the Bible literally? One, unfair reveal of the question. <laughs> uh, and two, no, that's not what I... The question that I was trying to discuss was not that, at least in as that specific. Not can we trust it, but how should we interpret certain passages? Well, that's the thing, right? Yeah, that's the question, right? The, the question, is the Bible supposed to be read literally? Uh, that's not to say that we shouldn't trust the story of, you know, Job. It's a question of, okay, was Job... Is that a historical event? Or did somebody say, let me tell you a story about a man named Job to, you know, kind of yeah. write out a lesson. And this is an example of X, Y, and Z. Sure. In that case, it'd be how to, it'd be how to uh, act and trust God even when things are horrible and it seems like everything's going, going wrong. It's a, that's a thought experiment. And if it were figurative, it's a thought experiment. Or is it a historical All event? Right, well, let's pick this up another time. Yes. Not now. Um, okay. So it... it is it fair to say that this is kind of like a, a weaker, how do we uh, act around those who have a, you're, you're using the term fear, mm. they're, they're afraid, they're concerned, there's like a the weaker brother type thing, like, oh, hey, you, we don't need to... Are you going to bring up the, the anecdote about where Paul was talking about, like the uh, meat sacrifice to gods? Well, there's that one, but this one is uh, Romans 14 about, you know, who eats vegetables and who doesn't eat vegetables oh. and, oh. you know, well, let me just read this, right? So... Um, Romans 14, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So these are opinions. So I would say the general category here is things that aren't clear. Like you, mm. um, I think you can with clarity say, we're not supposed to murder. We're not supposed to commit adultery. Mm. Like Christ, that is the law. I will stand at the pulpit and tell you that if you commit adultery, that is a damnable offense that without Christ's blood, mm -hmm. you will go to hell for. Mm -hmm. Is that would I say that about wearing a mask um, or not wearing? Okay. Like, can I speak that strongly? No, no, no. Okay, because it is not. It's not that clear. It is a matter of interpretation of application that becomes difficult. Mm. Okay, and how does Paul approach those issues? Right, one person believes he may eat anything. Mm -hmm. Right, so he's a. 
while the weak person eats only vegetables. Why? Because they're concerned about meat, maybe meat sacrificed to idols or something like that, right? Okay, but that's the weak person because he doesn't realize that the, that he's not constrained by God's law. He has a weakness in his theology, theology, his understanding yeah. what what Jesus so, did. Yeah. What was the application, though? Does does Paul then, because I think the way this passage is usually interpreted is, hey, there's a weaker brother, let's not do the thing in front of him, because mm. he's weak. Let's not cause him to stumble. That's not what Paul says. Mm. He says this, let, let, the one, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. This is about despising one another. Mm. Who are you to pass judgment? It is mm. before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And then he goes on to uh, corollary examples. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Okay. Um, why then do you pass judgment on your brother, or why do you despise your brother? For we will stand before the judgment seat of God. Therefore, verse 15, do not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the, in the way of a brother. Uh, what does that mean? Let me see. Let me get to the application. Oh, gosh, where is it? I'm going to find it. Basically, he says, therefore, let, basically, you eat and you don't eat mm -hmm. and don't judge one another. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say the application is don't eat meat in front of people who think you shouldn't eat meat. Mm. That's not the application. Let, let me find it. Okay, Go, give me some initial feedback on that. Let me find that that verse. So, so uh, no, I I agree, and I think I think a lot of I, I agree with the point you're trying to make, and I I think a lot of Christians and the the church in general needs to have this read and, read and explained to them multiple times because there seems to be uh, a lot of derision and a lot of uh, d division against Christian against Christian for things that seem to be. Um, Related to this text, for example, I know a guy who's very, you know, he eats uh, he eats vegan because he says we're not actually supposed to eat meat. You know, God didn't tell us that we can eat uh, eat pit pork and seafood and all that. That's a misinterpretation, and um, you're 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 sinning if you eat that that food. I'm like, it doesn't doesn't Paul talk exactly about this point? And and you just read the uh, the scripture, and and you know, like when people are start start saying like, oh, you're, you're sinning if you do X, Y, and Z. Hey, I guess I was doing that with the whole mask thing, wasn't I? Um, saying like, if you go out to, oh, that's the catching point. I think though. you got to be. I think you. you that's a catching point. Go ahead. There's a difference between if I go out with not wearing a mask, just because I don't think about it. I don't think I need one. I just go about, you know, do 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 doing my thing, um, and other people are freaking out about that, and I say, oh crap. But if somebody goes out there saying, I'm not going to wear a mask, I shouldn't be like. I shouldn't have to wear a mask. I'm going to go cough on people. <laughs> you're inciting. Yeah, you're not. Your 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 intent is harm. So in in the context of the of the passages that you just read, it would what I'm talking about is if the guy who ate meat went up to the guy who didn't, 
and just was like staring him in, in the face. eye and yeah, he shaking the chicken leg in his face and like eating it right in front of him and uh, making a big deal out of it. That to me, or maybe the guy says, you shouldn't eat meat. Um, or says, I don't eat meat because I think it's wrong. And then the guy just looks again, looks at him right in the eye, pulls out a chicken leg and just starts nomming on it right then and there. I think they're, I'm talking to that malice right. that accompanies it. And now, if you're doing it just because you don't think you need one, that's a different story. But I'm talking about if you are flaunting these precautions, and it's not just, it, there's other precautions too, where, like uh, washing your hands or doing social distancing. If you go into someone's personal bubble who doesn't want you to, to make the point that, oh, we don't need to be six feet apart, that is malicious. Yeah. Well. Is that a word? Malicious. Malicious. Yeah. Fallacious. I don't know. It's a mix of those two words. So you got to be careful with. Yeah, I, I I think that can be really, really manipulated. This idea of like, you know, mm. not wanting to offend people because now it's like, mm. well, let me take a, two examples in the in yeah. the scriptures where Paul, yeah. so, you know, he had two disciples, Timothy and Titus, and mm. one of them he decided to circumcise and one of them he didn't. Uh. And in one of them, I forget, always forget which one it is, but one of them, he proact- they proactively made that decision uh, because... They wanted to gain missionary access, basically like, hey, look, let's the Jews circumcise, let's circumcise, we won't make us this a stumbling block, like mm. and we'll do that proactively. Mm. But the other one he decided not to because the Jews told him he had to. Mm. Right? So there was a point where he goes, mm. Oh no, 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 no. Like if you if you're telling me you're putting this issue on the level of love and the gospel. I will flaunt it in your face. Mm. It's like Jesus mm. when 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 Jesus went you know, was in ministry and, he, and the Pharisees were like, "You can't heal on the Sabbath." He was like, "Well, I don't want to upset them, and mm. you know, I want to, they're weak in faith." And so, no, he goes, "No, no, no, you were heaping burdens upon people." Yeah, and he looked them dead in the eye and reached out and touched the man and, and healed in front of them. Yep. Why? Why? Because they they were being legalists. Yep. Right, and they were making it. So if someone says to me, "Hey, we asked that you wear masks at our place," it's like, "Oh, okay, great." Mm. But if you say, "This is what Jesus would do. This mm. is on the level of mm. God," then I pro- I might say, "Oh, really?" And not wear the mask mm. because I'm confronting a corruption of the gospel. Mm. So th- it's just not that simple. <laughs> but did but did Jesus heal the guy? I think he had the, was it a shriveled hand in that instance. Well, he loved the man. I think he was doing several things. I think yeah. he was he was loving the, the, did, the... Did he love and heal him out of malice? I don't think he did. I think he was no, saying, no, no, I no. want to heal this guy. Then the, pro, the the Pharisees were saying, oh, you can't do that. And he was like, I don't care what right, you right. say. So I'm not saying malice. I'm saying conf- it's a loving thing to yeah. confront yeah. Uh, legalism. I I agree. It's not malice. Yes. yes. No, I, I, I agree with that. And I, th- I can... Yeah, I can see why... Um, and may, maybe one, maybe there is some element to what you just described in in some of the things that I'm saying. I, I, I'm certainly open to that. And two, I think even if there, even if there, whether there is or there isn't that element in what I'm saying, it's really easy to confuse what I'm trying to say with what you're saying. And again, what I'm trying to, what the the situation I'm proposing, one has to do with the question: is wearing a mask this level of can you heal on the Sabbath or not? 
I don't, the the heal on the Sabbath, Jesus said, yes, you can, the Sabbath, you guys turn the Sabbath into this legalistic thing, we can heal on the Sabbath, or I can heal on the Sabbath. The mask thing isn't as, I mean, that, you know, like, it's to your point where, would Jesus wear a mask or not? It's like, I don't know, but if somebody is really uh, fretful about the virus and uh, wants everybody to wear a mask, I'm going to go around them, I'm going to wear it. I'm gonna wear it. That's fine. Me. I'm just saying I would just be careful to say, to to say, when you say this is the Christ-like thing to do. I think it just depends on the circumstances and like mm. what you're describing there. Like, like yeah. I said, hey, we we want masks at our place. It's like, yeah, that's fine. But when I see someone post on Facebook, basically, it's inarguable that th- this is the loving Christ-like thing to do. And I've, mm. I've I've seen these posts. I'm like. Ooh, you got to be careful here, man. Yeah. Like wearing masks no, that is, is the Christ-like thing to do. It's that, like it's yeah. a blanket statement, yep. and therefore the implication is that if you're not wearing a mask, you're yep. unloving, which is sin. Now it is now sin to not wear a mask. I'm like, wow, you are. Mm. You're, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's. I mean, people are so. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, risky. It's not. They, they're very. Um, Oh, what's the word? When Careless? You, no, it's like when you're susceptible. People are mm. very susceptible to legalism. And I'm sure you, you would agree with that. I mean, it happened early on in the church, too. Well, yeah, it's all over. The, it's well, in it's, the New Testament. It's in our, it's in our blood. Yeah, it is. So, Absolutely. I, yeah, I think we have to... We have to be careful. We have to be careful not to fall into it. And then when we see it, you know, we have to call it out. But then, of course, if we start calling them out for it and we get this this hate and this... This absolute, um, you know, it becomes like a, a fighting match, pun intended with the fighting words, but um, then I don't think that's the right way of handling no. it either. You're right, we have to confront it, but we it shouldn't be, a, it shouldn't turn to a hateful thing. No. No, which it often does, and I mean, it's, it's, it's just a mess up. Well, I think you have, so as I've said, and I will continue to say, I'm just telling you what I think and how I read the things. I could be wrong. Yeah. And it could be, so that's good. I don't just think, because I think you can go wrong on the other end and say, man, people that wear masks are just virtue signaling and they're just sheep. And it's like, maybe, maybe they're doing their best to interpret this freaking mess yeah. and love people and be safe. And like, I don't know. And they may be onto something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So there has to be a humility. You know, you can have a conviction. Yeah. Here's what I believe and kind of what I see happening. There's a humility under it of like, Man, I grant people the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. the best intentions, unless you have reason to believe otherwise, and that they're doing. I, so here's part of the. I listen to all kinds of stuff, podcasts. I mean, we've talked about this. I, I listen to people center left, center right, radical left. Mm. You know, I don't really listen to alt right stuff, but some of the guys I listen to would might be called that. Guys like uh, Ben Shapiro or yeah. oh my you gosh, know. Ben Shapiro being called alt right. It's funny, insane, yeah. But but the point is. What that does for me is it helps me understand and not, like I said, straw man people's mm-hmm. arguments. Like, I see why they're saying the things they say. I get it. I mean, to some extent, you know, um, the, most people aren't just trying to manipulate some agenda. They're like generally just hearing, mm-hmm. they have different interpretive grids and they're hearing different information and they're doing their best to apply what they believe mm-hmm. is a, is a, a just, you know, lead to a just world. And, um, you know, capitalists aren't trying to tread on the necks of the poor, mm. you know. And 
people that tend more toward like socialistic structures, mm-hmm. that's not their aim either is to, um, you know, oppress society. Like there's errors in both of those views that I think can lead to oppression. Mm-hmm. But to simply polarize and vilify mm-hmm. is uh, is not is not helpful or good. So no. listening to people uh, from those different perspectives, like I don't know, it just gives me an, a broader understanding and empathy, like yeah, um, for what what they're thinking and what they're processing. And that's important. You have to see things from their point of view if you want to effectively deal with not not even come to a conclusion, but just let I me mean, deal with the issue. Um. What did we talk about today? Basically masks? Yeah, I think so. But uh, through the grid of the gospel and mm-hmm. love and society and confusion and <laughs> all yeah. that. Man, and uh, submission to authority. It's a, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a very soft issue, by which I mean there's, you know, I come, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm an engineer, right? Uh, I, I, took, I went to school in, for thermodynamics and statics and dynamics and... Basic lab measurements. These are very quanti- quantized, yeah. uh, hard. There is a right, there is a wrong answer. Well, uh, the postmodernists don't believe that. Uh, that's racist. Oh, my goodness. Math is racist. Math. Oh, I've been hearing about stuff like that, yeah. See, and that's where... Yeah, yeah. That's nuts. It's, you know, at, that, at that point, it's like, you know what? Just I, Here's my, my thought. Just let them run with that. They're, they're, they're going to just... They're going to dig themselves deeper and deeper into a hole, I think, because you can't abandon science and math and all that stuff and last for very long. So you claim, yeah. That's my that's my that's my speculation. But that's, that's only because you're speaking from your position of power, and you use science and math as a weapon mm-hmm. to maintain your status and oppress. That's right, and I the, love it. Yeah. Oh man. But you see, s- that's where I get you know, like you know, if you're kind of left and you want to, and you talk about systemic oppression and you know, people have bias and there's power structures that corrupt. Like, yeah, hundred percent, I agree with mm-hmm. you. But then they go way off and start talking about. Basically, that is a uh, well. What's the the argument that math is racist is 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 rooted in the fact that we don't actually know anything. You know, it's basically postmodern skeptical philosophy applied to the world. You don't you don't actually true knowledge isn't possible. Hmm. All truth claims are actually just power plays. Hmm. And if you if you believe that, and that's the kind of Nietzsche and oh geez, you know, like unless you actually know something, uh-huh. any claim to truth is obviously just a self-interest played for your personal grid, right? Like, so if you grant the premise that you can't have true knowledge, I do think it necessarily follows that you, there's, you, truth claims are just power. They're just self-interest protection. And if you b- believe that, you have to apply it to everything. Mm-hmm. If you say all truth claims are just power plays, you go, oh yeah, what about math? Mm-hmm. You either then have to back off of that and go, well... Maybe yeah. not all truth claims, which yeah. destroys the whole thing. Or you have to be consistent and go, yeah, yeah, math too. In science, huh. it's all – it's a consistent application of the postmodern worldview. And you're just talking about things like 2 plus 2 equals 4. Is uh, a, go look it up. Have you seen this stuff going around? No. I've only heard music. 2 plus that. 2 does not equal 4, bro. Oh, what does it equal? Green. Whatever you want it to equal. Oh, man. According, oh. To, according to your – so here's the here's I'm the thing. Liking, I'm actually liking this. I'm going to get on board. So I, I, have to do, I have to do a missions test. So now here's the deal. So if people marching in the streets hold those views, not all of them do, but some of them do, they say all truth is just power plays, and you're and you're just using systems of except uh, for the truth claims that they make, right? 
well, primary, well, well, well. If they're consistent, so here's the thing. If you're, all, if you're the, consistent, the, the it, term "all truth claims." What was well, it? All, that very, all, all truth claims are power plays. What that, about that, that one? That well, all truth claims are, are. Well, that's a definitive statement that contradicts itself. Right. Absolutely. The whole thing breaks apart. Yeah. yeah. So, Any but but here's the deal: if you're marching in the streets and you say, "Listen, basically, all that exists is systems of power." And there's always the oppressor and the oppressed, and you're the oppressor right now, so we need to overturn you. It's mm-hmm. like, well, what's the end goal then? For you to become the oppressor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so literally, if that's what you're saying, if you're saying that, and that, and I want to grant you that premise, then it is in my best interest not to let you gain power. Well, no, Because they, you're going to become the oppressor. Donovan, everybody except for them would be the oppressor. They know how to do it. They know how to actually do it this time. They got the right answer. Well, according to their own system, they would be—they would necessarily be the oppressor. No, no, no. Because it, if they had it's power, every, it's everybody but them. You know, when they're in power, it's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of issues here. So I don't know how far they can logistically carry that if they're going to keep saying that math is wrong. I kind of want to see how that plays out. Well, that's a pretty fringe um, argument, but the point is that these these uh. These philosophies have been implemented before. Like, so the Khmer Rouge mm-hmm. in Cambodia, yeah. you know, that's basically was there. I mean, this is the Marxist worldview, mm-hmm. right? There's systems of power, oppressor, oppressed, this and that. So the Khmer Rouge is a is a is a communist mm-hmm. um, movement in Cambodia yep. that bought into that and said, okay, so what do we got to do? We have to overthrow the entire system. We have to eradicate those programmed systems. And what did they do? They well, if you're familiar with the Killing Fields in Cambodia, they they murdered everybody because that's the only way to eradicate that ideology. It's Im- it's embedded in people's minds. I think that right? they, they even focused on people of higher intelligence, didn't they? Or people with more right? Because you are, if you were glasses or you were educated, then you obviously have been yep. um, you've been indoctrinated by the system. So we have to execute you. We have to, <laughs> they send people to re- now. But it's see. But it's I for the, the glasses thing. It's like gl- your your eyesight. Well, your eyesight is my eyesight was. Poor. I think in. I think I didn't start wearing them until second grade. But you know, that's a genetic thing. Well, it's here's why to do though. It doesn't have anything to do with smarts, but it has to do. With, the correlation is uh, is um, being able to read. Oh, like well, I need glasses just to live my life. I know. Well, whatever. That was the thing, right? It's like in that culture at that time. Probably, if you were wearing glasses, you could read. If you were a poor farmer in the in the you know in the fields with bad eyesight you you didn't get glasses you couldn't afford glasses so uh, you're part of the that could part, be, yeah that could so be. yeah it's the fact that it's like they view it as the an accessory that that indicates that you have money rather than just the fact that you uh just can't see or right. need glasses you know another thing that would, if i remember right they would look at if you uh had calluses on your hands too that was another way that they would single people out but that was a good sign because you were like a laborer yeah if you if you had like fine hands on calloused hands they would just drag you off and shoot you Unfortunately, so yeah, I'd be dead. Yeah. Um, well, here's the deal: we've gone a little bit over our general target time, and hot dang, man! I gotta best. pack up and get to my next appointment. Oh, so hey, you're fun to talk to, man. We could just go on forever. Let's yeah, do this can. again. And can we get to the can we get to the question I proposed yeah, yeah, yeah. at the beginning? Right, yeah, the yeah. whole do we t- ought we take the Bible literally? Yeah. And remember, I want to. I'm not saying I'm not. I don't even want to go into necessarily. Well, there's two there's two phases to that question. Mm. One of them is what does that question mean, right? Yeah. And then, okay, once we determine what the questions mean, what are the you know the implications of yes and no? Plus, then there's the question of what does that question mean mean? What does that question mean? Uh, uh? I don't know what that question means. 
We could just go on. I'm going to get postmodern on you, Ooh. and nothing's going to make sense. It's going to be like Alice in Wonderland. I'll hit you one more time. What does that question mean, mean? Mean. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's just an hour of us just doing yeah. <laughs> If you could keep track of like yes. how many means you have a counter, said. yeah. <laughs> so you know that Alice in Wonderland is uh, intentionally senseless? I didn't. It's an application. Like, what if, okay, there, well, have you heard of the theater of the absurd? I've heard of it. I don't know what so it is. So there's a whole idea of like, well, yeah, truth can't be known. Then nothing makes sense. So like, why are we trying to tell stories as if they make sense? So let's uh, tell stories that- Don't make sense. They don't make sense. There's, there's no reason or rhyme for why this sequence of events happened and this guy came running out of left stage left and it's like, huh. it's chaos. And they're saying that, that's our world. That's our reality. And you're pretending it's not. I can't, you know, actually, I I have had that complaint with some stories. I said, Man, this story is kind of conveniently flowing in a very entertaining or interesting manner. You know, well, real life doesn't feel like this. There's kind of random stuff going like that half the time that you have to deal with. Hey, so, I think you'll appreciate this. One little final note on the postmodern thing. Um, um, Ravi Zacharias, yep. you know, Christian evangelist, he apologist. He passed, passed away recently. Yep. Yeah. Um, he visited the Ohio State University, which is where I went to undergrad, and they have an architecture department, and it had recently gone through renovation, and they were touring him around, and the, the guy that was giving him the tour was bragging on how they took this postmodern approach to their architecture. So they had like stairs that went nowhere, a window <laughs> that you know, was opaque, and it was uh, leave like- it, Leave it to a college to spend right. money on and that. And so like, isn't that, isn't that beautiful? And Ravi asked the question, interesting, did they take the same approach with the foundation? Ah. And of course, the yeah. whole thing is a sham. Yeah. A sh- it's a scam, like, or what do you call it? A sham? Um, charade? A charade. Yeah. No, you don't oh. really believe what you're saying. Yeah. You brought engineers in, mm-hmm. and this thing functions. Yeah. And there is a foundation that's necessary to uphold. Then you put this mask on it. No pun intended. But oh. Put this mask on it to. Uh, Say, oh, he see brought it. it home. Ah, that's good. All comes okay, full circle. Yeah. Well, hey, y'all, thanks for tuning in. Um, great week, Jack. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Enjoyable. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll do it again. All right, see you folks later. Bye.